Hello ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready for episode two? I am. It's the daily effect. That dude that thinks he knows everything about boxing. That professional boxing trainer. What's his name again? I'm Daily Perales and this is the Daily Effect Boxing. We're here again. Great response from the first show. Very grateful for that. Um, you had so many questions and I, I love your questions because it, it just keeps me on my toes. And um, it makes me, you know, there's people out there that don't know shit about boxing. And I'm just want to do my best to say you that I do know about boxing and I hope you can take just a little bit something away from every show and um, maybe you learn something maybe you didn't but um, I hope to inspire you all so this is episode two of you ask me to how it's going to work we're all going to hear the questions from people that have sent them in And I'm simply going to give you my honest answer. So the first one, her name's October Red. What a name, by the way, October Red. Um, Let's listen in and let's hear a question. Hi there. My question was too long. What I wanted to ask is, do you think a lot of the boxers today, well, not a lot, some of the boxers today are more concerned with celebrity status than actual boxing skills in the ring? And when I'm talking about boxing skills, I'm talking about the defence as well, not just coming forward and being able to throw um, punches. But what about the defence side of it? Sorry, that was too long for your question and answer, but that's my question. Yeah, great question. Um... And yeah, there is a lot of boxers out there that are like that. And that's why, you know, they don't have a full career or the career they um, should have had. Um, So there's a lot out there where their careers just fade because they're thinking about the wrong thing. Because at the end of the day, if you want to last in boxing, you've got to live it, you know. When you come through those doors, when you come through that gym, you, you've got to turn into a different animal. You can't be thinking about this person, that person. You can't be thinking about, I'm going to be a celebrity or I'm going to make big money because a lot of these up-and-coming boxers these days, they want to turn professional, but they don't understand. Um, they don't understand the politics behind professional boxing. Not everyone can be an Anthony Joshua. Not anyone can be a Floyd Mayweather. Not anyone can be a Muhammad Ali. Which means making it to the very top and staying there and making loads of money where you're a millionaire is, is, is a small percentage of boxers that get to that pinnacle. And it all... It all starts from how bad do you want it? You can't be thinking about celebrity status. You can't be showing off to your friend just because you've got a title of a boxer. You can't be posting things on Instagram, showing a bit of bag work for 30 seconds, but really, if someone was in your face live or even your trainer knows that you don't work that hard in the gym 
on the bag like that. You know what I mean? This ain't a game. You can die in this sport. So this ain't a game. There ain't no time for celebrity status. And even when there is time, it depends how long you stay around in the game. It depends what kind of status you leave with then. A legacy. Maybe a Hall of Famer. Maybe, maybe then, only then, you can talk about celebrity, celebrity shit. But before all that, boxing can end in a second, I'm telling you now. Right? You know that saying that Michael Buffer says before two undefeated fight, fight, two undefeated fighters fight each other? Someone's O has got to go. And let me tell you something. When your O goes, you're going to question yourself. Everyone around you is going to question you. People behind your back might not. They, they might question you. And it's, out, it's up to you to go back, put that loss right, or move on, keep fighting, and... Let everyone forget about that one loss or two loss or three loss or four loss. You don't know how many losses. But the more losses you have in boxing, this is why boxing is a cruel sport. The more, unless you're lucky, unless it, and, and unless you're someone that has taken losses four or five and then turned their whole life around, career around, and made something of themselves, and then losses normally, you know, puts you in the back of the mind of um, promoters, not in the front of the mind. Because they slowly start to lose interest. So it's very tough to stay at the top, but very tough to stay at the top. So what I'm saying is, October Red, I'm not saying, you know, you can't become a celebrity in boxing um, because you can. But at the same time, they've got to realise until they get to that pinnacle, they ain't no celebrity. And if you want to be the best, you better step into those gyms thinking you're a poor man, trust me. So you're hungry until it's time for you to retire. You know what I mean? So boxing ain't a game. And yeah, there's a lot of boxers out there. They let uh, money and celebrity status blind them. And um, they... Forget about what really matters. Hey, you got a fight coming up. Get serious. You know what I mean? Instead of out partying with girls, or maybe you're drinking, or maybe you're letting your friends influence you, etc., etc. You got a man up or woman up. You know, boxing ain't for the weak people. Trust me. And when I say weak, I don't mean physically. I mean mentally. You've got to be mentally strong in this game to survive. Trust me. So, great question. And, um, yeah, I hope to hear another question. Of, actually, I think I've got another question of yours. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to listen to that later on in this show. So we're going to move on. You ask me. Let's do it. So next up is Ben Katzler. My man, Ben Katzler, I know you've got an interesting question for me. 
So everyone, let's hear what Ben has to say. Aside from the physical benefits, what, or I should say how, has boxing helped you deal with life in general? That's a great um, question, Ben, and it helped me in a lot of ways, actually, because, you know, you know, I, I wasn't, I was an angry kid when I was growing up, if, to be honest with you, and, you know, speaking to you guys like this is funny because only a few years ago, I wouldn't be able to, you know, talk this way so openly like this. You'll probably hear it in like little documentaries I've done or stuff, but I think doing it f this way is more personal. But boxing helped me a lot. Um, it kept me away from the bad things. I mean, the very bad things. Because I was no angel, but um, I didn't go down that, down the, down the, I didn't take the wrong turn, basically. So I was raised in foster homes from two years of age. And, you know, amazing experience. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna sit here and lie. But then there's experiences um, growing up in care. You know, I have to just put it out on record that my foster parents that raised me for majority of my childhood, you know, they are the best. That's what you call, you know, um, good people. And they, they raised me right, trust me. But I'm talking about other homes I was in. You know, there's things that happen, there's things that you go through and they stick f to you for the rest of your life. So you grow up um, a bit confused and you're like, um, what shall I do? Shall I go down this dark road or shall I, you know, stay strong and, you know, find something to do to, so I can be successful, etc., etc. Um, so I lived on my own from a, a, a young age, learning to, you know, pay bills, learning to do my own washing, learning to do all these things from a very young, young age, you know what I mean? Like from 17, yeah, 17 years of age, I was living on my own. So all through that, especially when I came into my teenage years, um, you know, you know, when you're, You'll know it. You're getting to know your real family even better, even though I'm still in foster homes. Um, and two of my brothers were boxers. Two of my brothers were boxers, so it made it actually influenced me to get into boxing. Um, I didn't do it. If I was to be honest, I didn't do it because I was I love boxing. I was just following my brothers, and I ended up to be uh, good at it. Um, and, you know, because of that, it kept me out of trouble. It gave me discipline, you know, respect to, to, to adults. You know what I mean? Also, I let out some steam, but in, um, you know, in a good way. You know what I mean? In a good way, um, where it's legal, where there's professional coaches watching you. So that's how I 
manage to keep, um, you know, anger, you know, in a good place. And boxing helped me through my teenage years. Um, as I started to come out of being a teenager and then I started living on my own, that's when boxing became, you know, on and off because I was always, you know, trying to look after myself. Um, my head was just all over the place, trying to look after myself, you know what I mean? You know, trying to do boxing, trying to earn money, etc., etc. So um, all those things played a part, but I always went back to boxing. Always went back to bo- always went back to boxing, and such a short amateur career as well, because I only had like nineteen fights. Um, you know, I done well in nineteen fights. I, I, I won a championship in only nineteen fights. I was just natural. Actually, when I first went into an amateur boxing gym, Finchley Amateur Boxing Gym, they give me my the, my license within three weeks because I come into the gym and they were like, "Have you boxed before?" And I say, no, I haven't boxed before. But it's because I was around my older brothers that were box- boxers. Uh, one of them used to f- <laughs> force me and my other brother to, f- to fight, put on gloves and fight in the living room. And then he would take me down to his boxing gym and I've got no experience, no fights. And he'd point out um, um, someone that's sparring and he'd say to me, you see that kid there? He's national champion. You're going to get in there and spar him. I'll be go- I go, what? Me spar him? He's a national champion. I ain't even had any fights. I don't even train. He goes, it doesn't matter. You're going to get in there. Yeah. I'm going to show him what you're made of. So I got in there and he just made me get in there all the time. And um, at, the, at the time, I hated it. But at the same time, it, it made me, you know, not fear another guy. So I would still get scared in fights, but I would not have fear of a man. Because being scared in fights and having fear is um, two different fights, uh, two different things, shall I say. So um, in boxing, in my case anyway, it's two different things. So I always be shitting myself. I always be scared when I'm walked to the ring all the time. But um, you learn to control that. And it used to make me rise to the occasion. Um, and rising to the occasion is not fearing any man that I stepped in the ring with, even though I was scared and nervous. So boxing plays such a big part. See, even that, what I just told you there, it, boxing done that, it makes you strong. It makes you stand on your own two feet. You try walking to the ring in front of thousands of eyes watching and they're watching you in that squared circle face another man. It's the scariest thing to walk out there. But you got to either poker face it or you got to learn to be calm. You just got to soak it up. Once that bell rings, everything goes out the window, all those feelings. You just get down to working. All your training and everything all comes into play. But walk into the ring is probably one of the toughest things you have to do is walk, that ring walk. Yep, but boxing's helped me in so many different ways. As I'm saying, you know, keeps you off the streets, teaches you discipline, you know, dedication, focus, 
to be strong, to be a man. You know what I mean? So many, so many different things. And I think, you know, boxing helps a lot of people today. You know what I mean? Not just in my era, era today. And that's why I think um, government should do more than they do to um, in helping boxing clubs because it helps a lot of people, especially with men, um, you know, um, mental health issues and things like that. And I think everyone's mental health is important. And it helped me. Did I have bad times? Yes, I did. But I also had great times and good times. You know what I mean? So boxing helped with that. So I say to people out there, doesn't matter what you're going through. I know it's hard. Just know there's always someone to talk to. And just also know that, you know, if you're in a bad situation like I was or whatever, or I thought I was, you know, alone sometimes, all you got to do is just try and stand up and just say, hey, I'm going to make something myself. And then, you know, no one can say anything. They'd be like, you did it. You know what I mean? You did it. Despite all that, you did it. I'm going to make something myself. So no excuses. All right? All right. Let's move on. Let's get in a bit deep there. But um, I'm hint- here to inspire. So let's move on to another question. Um, who's it going to be? I think it should be from Rance and Bance. Let's hear what Rance and Bance had to say. All right, if you're with like an Olympic coach and they're teaching you how to do Olympic lifts, they'll break them down into segments. There'll be basic requirements, mobility, and then they'll break the lifts down into different parts. Um, if you've got a clean canvas, like a clean slate, a boxer comes into the gym and you've got to train him up to be a champion, yeah? What would you start with first? What do you think are the basic fundamentals that you would want to um, make sure are on point? Like, for instance, for me, like, I think footwork, the footwork and balance is key for me, man. If someone's got shit, shit footwork and shit movement, then, do you know what I mean? You're a sitting duck. But different people like to teach different things first. Like, what would you say is the fundamentals for you? If you had a clean canvas, where would you start? What would you start with first? And how would you progressively build them up? Yes, yes, ransom bants, ransom bants. I don't know which way you say it. Well, you're listening to some tunes in the background there, man. Some jams going on there, bruv. <laughs> oh, but uh, that's a great question because um, I see so many things go on. You know, you watch other coaches and um, you try to get a sense of, you know, other people's methods as well. Um, not to judge or anything like that, but it's good to see what everyone does um, for that stage of a potential fighter. And I think for me, when when I got someone that that don't know how to fight and have, like you said, have come to me raw, they don't know anything. I think the first thing I would start with is um, a discussion. I would start with a nice, long 
discussion because I want to get to know the kid from the get-go. I want to know within him if he really actually really wants to be here. So I want to get a sense of that. Ask him questions. Ask him, um, why do you love boxing or why do you want to do boxing? Ask him a little bit about his background. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Just maybe crack some joke with him. Anything, anything. It might be anything. But just to get a sense of who he is, because that will tell me a lot about how I, you know, start off with him. And trust me, a lot of people might be thinking, but how can you, how can you know what to do with him just by, you know, having a conversation with him first? And I'm not to, so obviously you have a conversation with them, like you're saying, you say hello, you say whatever, just small talk for two seconds and then you get started. But I'm talking about having a proper conversation. You know what I mean? So I can get a sense of who he is and then that would determine how I start. It determines how I speak to them. It, de- it, it determines what kind of body language I have. That He's going to see all that. He's going to read all these signs. So... I have to talk to him first, get a sense of things. I think it starts with, with them. Because if you've got a kid that's willing, then you can teach him anything. It ain't, I don't think for me, my coaching style ain't about, it is about fundamentals. What I'm saying is something advanced can be fundamental too. And I can teach it in the beginning. So I need, a, I need to get a sense of the person before we get into training then it determines how fast I go and I don't mean fast of moving on to the next stage and um, trying to progress and to get a quick fight or whatever like that I'm not talking about that I'm talking about if I wanted to do a combination work I could do combination work with him after two days or I could do it on the first day or it could take a week you know, it just depends. I might work on his base first. I might work on his head movement first. For me, everything's a fundamental. My coaching style is that way, that everything's a fundamental. Why wait to do something complicated, you know, and um, wait six months to do it or two months to do it or three months to do it? Why wait? If you think and if you can read who you're training, you'll know if he could do it on the first day. You'll know if he can can do it or she can do it on the second or third day. I don't know. I just have that feeling about, about me that, you know, I know how to read someone in a boxing way. I don't know. I can't explain it. But fundamentals are very important. The base is very important. So yes, everything's a fundamental in my eyes, combinations, this and that, adv- even advanced stuff. But w- when I'm doing that, at the same time, I'm breaking things down piece by piece. Even a combination, it's piece by piece. It's not just, let's go for a combination. 
and um, let's hope everything lands. Everything I do is piece by piece by piece. Even the way you stand, it's piece by piece. Because the way I work, right, I try not to get frustrated. There's so many, everyone's different. Some people like to shout. Some people like to swear. With me, I'm firm. I, I know what I want my fighter to do and when to do it. I'm very strong when I talk, when I want something done. But at the same time, I don't get frustrated because it's all about repetition. And if you continue, continue to do something over and over and over again, and then you're going to become a master at it. If you can stand in a stance and learn to sit. Did I say throw any shots? No, I never. I said learn to just sit. Just sit. And go in the mirror and just look at yourself and just learn to sit in your stance. Up, down, up, down. Feel it in the legs. Feel it in the bottom half of the body because that's where everything comes from anyway, from the hips down. So feel it in them legs. I always tell my fighters, if their legs are not in the right way, I, I, I say, set. Or I say, legs. Legs is the most one I say. I say, legs, 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 legs. You know what I mean? Or feel. I say, feel, feel, feel. Feel those legs because you need to feel them. If you don't have no feel of your legs, then you don't have no balance. If you don't have no balance, then you can't move. You can't create angles you can't walk them down you can't dance you need balance like you need balance in life you need balance as a boxer so it's that stance to me is very important and then probably the next most important thing to me um when it comes to actual punching is the jab so many people underestimate the jab i don't see a lot of boxers a lot of boxers just want to be flash these days not everyone could be flashy not everyone could be floyd mayweather all you up-and-coming boxers need to realise that, that not everyone is Floyd Mayweather. If that's, if that's your natural style, and then, like I said in my last episode, I believe in a natural gift, in a natural style, so you can't train everyone the same. Not everyone could be a Floyd Mayweather. Not everyone could be a Floyd Mayweather. So if it means you're a simple boxer, then just be simple, but just be great at being simple. And it all starts with that jab. A lot of fighters don't use their jabs these days. The jab is the number one weapon. The jab, you can break someone down. The jab, you can dictate fights. Um, the jab, you could break someone's nose with the jab. The jab is a stinging shot. If you know how to throw it, then you can win a fight with that left hand all night long. And I advise you to watch Lennox Lewis for the jab, Muhammad Ali for the jab. So many people had good jabs, Larry Holmes. So go and study these people. If you're a boxer, watch boxing. All right. But for me, it's all about the jab, the base, the stance has to be right. And head movement. I'm going to throw that one in there. Head movement is a must. Now, my teaching style when it comes to head movement, Right. You've got to, even that, from day one, I'm putting on a pair of gloves and I'm throwing shots to their head. 
not to hurt them because I don't want them to have brain damage before they even made it as a boxer. But I throw punches their way. And when I mean I throw punches their way, as I said, not hard, but still with a little bit behind it because it has to be realistic. And I throw punches directly to their face. I think that's one of the quickest ways to learn. If you want to learn how to not get hit by a fist, then why not, you know, teach them in the way where it's going to happen? You know what I mean? So they expect it. Um, um, there's someone asked me about defense the other day and I was saying, listen, there's so many coaches out there. If you're a coach, you know, when you're doing pad work, even when you're doing pad work, like slips and rolls, make it realistic. Go towards their head. Because if you're swinging your hand, arm too high or you're, you're putting your hand out there for slips and they're too wide, then how, the, how is the fighter going to learn how to slip properly and how to roll properly? He's just going to be lazy and think, you know, punches are going to swing a mile over his head every time. So we as coaches have to, you know, show them the way. The jab is a must. The way you carry yourself, meaning your base and your stance, has to be correct. Head movement is a must. I ain't sending any of my boxers in there to, to um, go to war. If they have to go to war, they'll be ready for a war because I make sure they're ready for that too. But you're going in there to hit and not get hit, baby. And then when you retire, you can retire nice. You know what I mean? So those three things are very important to me. I'll go over them again. The stance. The jab. And head movement. And I let me add, because I'm being, I'm going to spoil you, I'm going to add hand placement in there. Because if your hand placement is not right, it's good night. So those four things are the things I probably start with. But as I said, my coaching style, everything's a fundamental for me because I break everything down. Like you said, in segments, I break everything down, even if it's a long combination. You know what I mean? Even if it's something complicated, I break everything down so the fighter understands what is happening. I explain what is happening. I tell them why you're going to use it, what it does, and it's all about repetition, and we do it over and over and over again. So I hope I answered your question, mate. Um, good question. So let's move on. These questions are wicked. This next one, this next one is from A1 Realist. Um... Remember, guys, you ask me, uh, um, follow me on Instagram as well. And just chucking that in, in there, just in case some of you listen, don't have my Instagram. It's at the Daily Effect Boxing. All right. So th the next one, we've got A1 Realist. Let's listen to what he has to say. Oh, uh, my question to you is, uh, what made you start coaching? So... Um, did someone influence you to do boxing and start this coaching thing and advising people on how to keep them out of gang violence? What made you start doing it? Was it just someone that influenced you or did you just have a passion of it? Yeah, passion, passion is, you know, that's the word, man. Passion, little man. You know, 
obviously I was a professional, undefeated professional boxer and things didn't go my way. Um, I got an injury and, you know, I tried to continue, but it wouldn't allow me to continue, even if I wanted to continue. And on top of that, you know, um, personal, personal reasons is why I stopped boxing. You know, I had um, kids young, so they came first and boxing weren't paying me anything. So that got in the way because I had to work back then. Um, but boxing has always been a passion of mine. And I remember when I finally gave up boxing, I said, right, this injury ain't gonna, I gave it one more go. This injury won't allow me. The injury came back in training. Uh, after the sadness of that happening, you know, my wife said, listen, you're basically too talented to just to let boxing fade away. Go and get your professional boxing trainer's license. Um, so that's what I did. And she even drove with me all the way to, I'm from London, in case there's anyone else up north or whatever, but I drove all the way to Manchester um, for two days to do um, my professional, to gain my professional boxing um, trainer's license. And um, she, was every, she was every step of the way with me. And um, obviously I wanted to do it, but she gave me that extra push to do it. And if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be where I am right now. So I've got a great stable of boxers. Um, everything's happened so quick because even though I've got a lot of knowledge in boxing, um, I didn't turn. I didn't get my professional boxing trainer's license until you know only three three years ago. You know what I mean? I'm I'm a young coach at 34, but that's what I'm saying. That I have a lot of knowledge, so you wouldn't. Me being a professional boxing trainer for three years doesn't reflect, you know, everything because I have more knowledge than three years. I've been in boxing since I was 14 years of age, I and mean, I'm now 34. I've done a lot in three years, as in built a stable of fighters, you know. Um, so quickly, you know, it's hard to get fighters. You know what I mean? And all of them I've, I had from the um, from the, from the beginning. You know, basically their pro debuts and stuff. So, so I mean, most of them. I think there was like two that wasn't. But most of them I've had from the get go, from the beginning of their pro careers, talented fighters. Um, and like I said, it's all about the passion. If I haven't got passion, if I didn't have passion, then I can't train these fighters to the to the highest um, highest level. You know what I mean? I want them to be world champions. I want them to leave the sport with something. Um, Box is a short career, so I'm always encouraging them. You know, make money, but also save money, so you can invest. Um, so when you retire for boxing, you've got you know businesses or things that you know, will continuously make you money for the rest of your life. So um, you got to do everything with passion as a coach. Um, and I think it will show if um, people are not stupid these days. They know who's passionate and who's not. And they know who knows their stuff and who doesn't. But yeah, um, that's how I become a professional 
boxing coach. And um, my, my wife inspired me to do that. Now we're going to go back to someone that already gave me a question. But she had one more question. So, um, October Red, let's hear what you had to say. With the recent possible announcement on Box Rec of Fury versus Miller, where does that leave the possible winner of Rivas versus White on July the 20th? As we now have Fury versus Miller, um, Wilder versus uh, Ortiz, and obviously there's a Joshua Rees rematch. All of these fights are coming up this year. So with White, if he there's a good chance he can beat Rivas, where does that leave him uh, in the heavyweight division? Because to me, and what do I know, it just seems as if he's been frozen out. Yep, damn right he's been frozen out. And um, I feel sorry for him, man. You know what I mean? It's like, what can he do? It's like, it's not like, what can he do unless, unless he, I don't know, <laughs> kidnaps Eddie Hearn, <laughs> hides him away, um, you know, and tells him you better give me this shot or that shot. And then it, things are still going to stay the same for a while. Um, I was talking about this in the gym today. Maybe. It's a thing now, because now they've got that stupid franchise belt. Maybe it's a thing that they give Dillian White that. And then, no, not Dillian White that there, sorry. They give Deontay Wilder that. And then Dillian White can fight for um, the regular, shall I say, WBC title or whatever. But I think that all that stuff is stupid, man. At the end of the day, he's been number one for ages, so he deserves a shot. And um, <laughs> it's just unfortunate, you know. I mean, Eddie Hearn's done a lot in boxing and everything like that. He's, you know, you know, he's doing good things, Eddie Hearn, here and in America. You know, he's invested a lot of money in a lot of fighters. A lot of them are, you know, big names. Um, but when it comes to Dillian White, I think he could do more. You know what I mean? It's not like he's, he's poor, a broke promoter. He can put his money where his mouth is and try to try sort something out. Um, the only probably thing that might the only thing that might happen is he beats Oscar Rivas. Um, Deontay Wilder beats um, Victor Ortiz, and then hopefully Deontay Wilder gives Dillian White the shot after that fight. Because he ain't going to fight, fight Fury just yet, I don't think, even after Ortiz. So, I would, I would give the shot to Dillian White if I was Deontay Wilder. Um, probably won't happen, but that's what I would do. Um, it would make another statement. It would be a big statement for, for Deontay Wilder if he won that. You know what I mean? Um, to everyone else, it's another good name on his record while he's waiting for the rematch or whoever else. But um, giving Dillian White a shot, I think that could be a good thing. It might happen. But let's wait and see, man. 
But there's a, you know what? I keep saying this. There's one heavyweight out there that's a world champion that no one really talks about. Um, quote me if I'm wrong, but I think he's still world champion. So you know you've got the WBA super belt, yeah? And that's the one Anthony Joshua had, uh, the one he just lost. And now Ruiz has got it. Well, there's a WBA regular world title. Okay? Manuel Shah holds that title. Now, no one talks about Manuel Shah. That's a fight. If Quote me if I'm wrong, but if Manuel Shah is still the WBA regular world champion, why Dillian White sitting around? Eddie Hearn could easily throw money um, Manuel Shah's way and make that fight happen. It's a world title. It's not a super world title, but still a world title, still a WBA like give him another belt. All I'm saying is if these other fights are not happening just yet, he could do that and um, fight for that WBA regular world title. He'll beat Manuel Shaw. At least he could say, listen, I've got a, I, I got a world title belt. He'll probably put, get, put him in line to face Ruiz or Joshua as well. So that means, so why not? Um, so yeah, that's my opinion on that. Um, let's move on. We're going to have another one from Ben Katzler, my man. What were the differences in your mindset between the first time you stepped into the ring for a competitive bout and the last time? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, the difference in mindset. Well, my mindset, do you want to... I could go all the way back to the amateurs because if you're talking about mindset when I'm having my first fight as an amateur, and then it was like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm shitting myself. <laughs> that was my mindset. Punch as many times as you can and you've won the fight. <laughs> um, but if you're talking about first fight as a professional, then difference, you know, the last fight, then... I'll say composure and um, it was the biggest difference in my mindset. You know, at first you don't really box with what I didn't box with as much composure because I was letting other things affect me. Like didn't know how to, you know, save my energy, for example. So my ring craft... Um, just the little details, know how to hold in the clinch and, you know, make it effective there. Um, know when to punch and not to punch, you know, when to dance, not to dance, when to sit, not to sit, you know what I mean? All these little things you're a novice to in the beginning. And then, and then as you get more experience, that's when, you know, you're... you're your boxing intelligence it goes to another starts going up levels and when your boxing intelligence starts going up levels it gives you confidence and when you're confident it, it enables you to um, keep your composure you know what I mean so that all comes with experience that all comes with a lot of sparring um, to help with that go to other gyms as many gyms as you can get your sparring in whether they're you know better than you or the same level of you, just do it, you know what I mean? 
It will help you to get comfortable um, with what your with what your coach is trying to teach you. So um, I think composure for me was the difference in my mindset. Um, yeah, I think composure. That was a great question. Really made me think that one, mate. Thanks a lot. Right, I've got some questions to get through. Written questions. So I'm going to come away from the voice messages. They were great questions. Um, but I want to squeeze in some written messages I had sent in. Um, remember, follow me, if you haven't, on Instagram at The Daily Effect Boxing. Website is thedailyeffect.com. Um, follow, subscribe this podcast. Um, hashtag, you ask me. Hashtag the daily effect. Um, let's keep this rolling. So um, let's let's take a look at this message. Kojo underscore Lewis eighty four. He said, "Coach, how comes nobody teaches the peekaboo style anymore?" Uh, I don't know. You tell me, because I teach it. And if anyone wants to know what a peekaboo style is, just watch Mike Tyson. You know what I mean? I always tell everyone this, even if you're not my fire, even if you're just someone that just wants to learn how to fight but not fight, like a client of mine, I always try to give you as much knowledge as I can when it comes to this boxing because that's the only way I can teach. You know what I mean? I have to give you information so you know what you're doing when I'm training you. And I always say to my fighters this, sometimes your best offense is your defense. Sometimes it's not when you punch at all. Sometimes it's because you create an angle or because you slip and be or because you roll. But what do you do off those angles? You throw punches. What do you do off those slips? You throw punches. What do you do off those rolls? You throw punches. So your defense can be your offense. And that's what Mike Tyson was great at. He was great at making you miss and making you pay. And you're right. That's why I said earlier on the show, I said one of my main things is head movement. You could do so much damage. And if you can learn how to move your head, how to defend yourself going forward just as much as you do going back, that will make you such a dangerous fighter. So, yeah, that's my answer. I teach it. Um, I hope there's other people out there that teach it. Moving on, would you be open for having guests on your show? Yes, I would. Yes, I would. Banter, banter, banter. Of course I would. Anytime. You're welcome. Why do you support Chelsea? Because it's the motherfucking best team. How dare you, man? Blue is the colour. Blue is the game. Um, what else have we got? How do some boxers manage to cut off so much weight and put it on so quick? Um, that's a good one. I'm going to keep this um, as short as possible. Because nobody keeps around their fighting weight. And I think it's a very bad habit. Because you're always having to come in the gym and the main focus is always weight. So I always tell my fighters now, so listen, you're not fighting if, if you're not within a certain limit. Um, you're not fighting. It's unhealthy to be losing 10 kilos or this kilos or that kilos. You know what I mean? And what these boxers do, right? They only diet for a training camp. 
So that's why they put it on so quick, because all of a sudden, they go, right, I've got a fight. Now I'm going to diet and be strict and cut out this and cut out that. So that's why, and then after the fight, what's the first thing they do? Ah, kebab, ah, can of Coke, oh, fish and chips, oh, pizza, McDonald's, burgers, fries, this and that. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, putting it in their system for, I don't know, God knows how long, four weeks, three weeks, five weeks, until they get another date for a fight, and then they're like, oh, no, I have to be straight, I have to go on a diet. So it's messing up your, it's messing you up, basically. It's very bad. And I just think if the word professional, if you stay professional all year round, then I think it would be, you know, easier for the fighter. You know what I mean? Easier for the fighter to lose the weight. You know what I mean? Stay like four or five kilos away from your fighting weight. I think that's a sensible idea. You know what I mean? I think that's... Start there. If you're someone that's losing too much, start with, right, now I'm going to stay within five kilos of my fighting weight. That's what you need to do because it's dangerous to keep losing weight like that. It's dangerous to keep putting it back on so fast. Very simple. Eat, Eat clean, man. Eat clean. Just eat clean and train. And then if you feel like a burger, have a burger. It ain't going to really do anything because your body will be programmed to the way you're eating. You know, you're eating clean and every now and again you want a burger or whatever. It ain't going to really do anything because you're consistently training. You won't train as hard as you would if you got a fight. But you'll keep yourself in shape. Keep yourself in shape. Go on runs a few times a week. You know what I mean? Keep in the gym. Keep working on your craft. You know what I mean? Don't get lazy. There's no such thing as um, a fight camp in reality. Just stay in camp. You might just stay in camp, but just know when to train hard and not to train hard. Obviously, you start training hard when you've got in a fight. You know what I mean? I'm not saying you can't have holidays. Have your holidays. That's a different thing. So, yeah, that's my answer to that. Time running out, so I'm going to speed things up with these questions now. Dante, um, you said any tips for a young fighter like myself? Yes, I always love these kind of questions. Um, just just train hard, man, because it's not a game. Don't take it. Um, don't take it for granted because it's a serious sport. So you've got to be dedicated. Um, don't lose focus. Um, in this day and age, a lot of people, it's easy to get influenced, but try to stay out of trouble, stay on track, and and just realise that you know, the person you're going to fight is working just as hard as you. That's the way you've got to see it. You can't think that they ain't training. You've got to think that they are training and tra- they want it just as bad as you. So that's why you can't fall off. And um, you can't mess around. You've got to stay dedicated. You've got to stay focused. Um, don't lie to your coach. If you said you've gone running, make sure you mean it because running's a big part of boxing. Um, the conditioning's a big part. And... You know, you've got to be disciplined and do that stuff. If it's raining outside and you have to go running early hours in the morning, that's what you're going to, that's, you have to do it. That's what you've got to do. That's boxing. You know what I mean? That's the discipline right there. You've got to be able to get out of a warm bed, yeah, while everyone's fast asleep and go and, go and hit the road. You know what I mean? So all these little things um, is what makes you a, a, a successful fighter. You know what I mean? And, Watch boxing. A lot of fighters these days. I go, do you watch boxing? Yeah, sometimes. What do you mean sometimes? And you call yourself a boxer. You know what I mean? You've got to watch. You've got to constantly keep learning, constantly keep learning. Because even when you get up there and you start making a name for yourself, you're, you're still going to have to learn a lot of things there. 
You know what I mean? So always learning and keep it going. Running out of time. It's just going over 50 minutes. So I only got time for one more question that I'm going to read out. It's from the same person, Dante. So I'm going to read it. The last one. Thank you for listening, everyone. This one is, do you train amateur boxers? Um, well, I'm a professional boxing trainer. My stable fighters are all pros, but I don't turn my nose up at an amateur um, just because I'm a pro trainer. But I don't take on just anyone. It has to be someone um, I see that I think is special, someone I think I could um, mold into a future uh, professional champion. Um, so I don't just take, take on any amateur, and I haven't got room for just... Uh, for loads of amateurs because you obviously I'm busy training my pros but if there's that one or two special special um, um, fight amateur fighters out there that I take a liking to then yes definitely I uh, train amateurs and you don't have to have the best skills I just you just gotta I just gotta see something you know what I mean something I see where I can that I can mold into a champ um, so I hope I gave everyone the answers to all your questions. It's coming up to 54 minutes. It's the Daily Effect, and I'm Daily Perales. This is You Ask Me, episode two, and I'm out. All right, John, and he beats him to the middle of the ring. Big right hand, and he backs him up with a jab, and a double jab, and then back he comes with an uppercut and a left hook, and he drags him back to the rock, and he's walking him down, Shot and a double jab, left hook, right hand.